Welcome to episode 112 of Texting, hosted by myself, Justin Vincent, and Jason Roberts. And uh, today it is a pretty nice day out here in La Habra in Orange County. How's it where you are, Jason? Oh, it's just beautiful here in Pasadena, so you made the move, huh? Yeah. How do you like La Habra Heights? Yeah, it's a bit It's a bit removed out of Los Angeles. It's like 45 minutes to get into uh, Pasadena or, or LA, so it's a bit quieter out here. But uh, yeah, it's good. it's good value. So I think we should talk about uh, the whole Twitter fiasco, yeah. right? I mean, that's that seems like that's a really big deal for you, potentially. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I don't know. I wonder what's going on with them. I mean, like the... Well, so why don't, why don't you syn- uh, give, give the synopsis of what the situation is if, for people who haven't read the story? Well, basically, Twitter have come out and said, um, in, in a long way, what they are actually saying is no more Twitter clients. We don't want any more Twitter clients developed by any developers. And um, if you do develop a Twitter client, if you've got a, an existing Twitter client, it's got to fit very strictly into our rules and guidelines, basically. Is what what are the saying. rules and guidelines? Um, well, <laughs> I mean, just essentially, I mean, is there... It's, it's sort of, it's like, you know, make sure that you use this terminology, make sure you don't confuse the users. So, you know, call a tweet a tweet, call a follow a follow. Don't kind of mix it up and call a tweet a comment. I see. That kind of thing, which kind of right. makes sense. I mean, I, I can I can see their perspective, you know, what because what they're saying is is that so many people have made clients and all sorts of different clients that essentially it creates a confusing scenario. But I actually think that the truth is it's more along the lines of they want to rein in the clients so that they can ensure that people aren't putting ads in clients and so that they can be the only one to monetize the tweet the tweet stream. Yeah, they want to own the whole um, vertical, I guess. I don't know. If, I mean, that's the wrong terminology for it, but they want to own the whole experience, kind of like Apple. Right. Yeah. And they're, they're sort of pulling an apple because they can't. Yeah. And that's the way businesses operate. You know, they're, they're, you know, when they're small and they don't have a lot of power and they're trying to get their early adopters and their fast followers and they're trying to establish some kind of developer ecosystem, they play really nice. Oh but yeah. The bigger they get, the more popular they get, the less nice they're going to play. And then when they become really big, then they can become, uh, you know, very uh, sort of authoritarian and aggressive like Microsoft or uh, it's like It's like Apple a crack recently. dealer. It's like, come on, come over here, try our crack. It's awesome. Come on, we'll give it to you for free. And then as soon as you're hooked, it's like, all right, give us your money now. <laughs> yeah, well, I think it's for developers building on, a, on someone else's platform. It's always tricky if it's not sort of an open platform. And um you know, building on Windows, for instance, that wasn't the case so much, but um, building on a platform like Facebook or Twitter seems to be really I don't, um, no, scary. I, th- I think it's the same thing. It's like, I mean, what, what's the difference? I mean, basically, if you're building on Windows, they, what happens is they then move from 3.1 to, you know, XP or whatever. And, and all of a sudden, a lot of your stuff breaks and doesn't work properly. So you're still pretty much tied into the way they do things, yeah. the platform. And that's kind of no, what Twitter is saying here. I mean, basically, it's like... No, okay, hold on, hold on. Hold. One thing I want to say, okay. I mean, you know, I used to write Windows apps. And, and for the most part, Windows apps were backward compatible. I mean, there were some changes, or there were some issues when you went from 16-bit to, what, 32-bit right. systems. 
Um, that wasn't really much of a problem. I mean, you know, I, I don't. I, I know when Microsoft was taking on uh, Lotus uh, One Two Three, and they did some things that would break Lotus One Two Three to give Excel an opportunity mm-hmm. to compete. You know, which is pretty anti-competitive, and there's probably some serious issues with that. But they did. They definitely. They definitely did some very questionable things. But they weren't changing like the developer policies and changing um, and kicking banning apps and things like like that Twitter and, and Facebook do. They're, it seems to me that developing on Twitter and Facebook is like walking on Earth that's shaking. You know, at yeah, any point no. it could become a serious earthquake. <laughs> like if I had my butt. choice, I'd you know if if I could redo it, I wouldn't go down this path. I mean, do you, do you remember when when I created Plugio? I mean, basically, we were just starting out and we were just getting into the whole cargo cult of the way things were done. And the big meme at that time was do something that's basically scratch your own itch, right? And that was mm-hmm. really all I was thinking about when I created, you know, started off with Plugio. And then it built into more of a business and then it started making money and, and now I'm pretty wedded to it. Um, but one thing is looking through all this literature that's out there, right? Um, mm. I think the Plugio is in kind of a good position um, because Twitter did list the kind of clients that, that they like and they mentioned Hootsuite and Radian 6 and some other apps like that, basically social media dashboards, which is what Plugio is. So I've got a feeling that Plugio is in good standing from that point of view. Well, that's, that's a relief, right? I mean, it would suck if your whole business went down the drain overnight yeah they just flip flip the switch i mean which is possible it is possible um that's why it's always good to diversify into at least other um well other pro if not other products at least other um social media um sites like facebook or whatever but you know of course facebook you run into the same problem yeah they could end up pulling a twitter um yeah. on you and decide that whatever you're doing uh they're not so happy about and they're just going to shut you down yeah, you call it, that should be the new name for it doing a twitter Doing a Twitter, yeah, <laughs> pulling pulling a Twitter. So, well, what's the what's the status on uh, what's the update on on Plugio? Okay, well, I've got a few different things going on with Plugio. So, what I've been working okay. on for the last week is basically to build in an RSS auto posting feature. So, at the moment, you can plug in okay. your RSS feeds to Plugio, and you can kind of schedule schedule stuff and uh, curate stuff. But what what it hasn't had up until now is where you could just plug an RSS feed and tell Plugio to post new stories from that feed to Twitter. Okay. And the reason why I hadn't done it was because there's already an, a number of different free services out there that do it, and um, other, other platforms offer it. But the reason why I decided to do it was because customers kept on saying to me, at least three customers have said to me, look, I, the only reason why I use Hootsuite is because it, it has this auto-posting RSS feature. If you could implement that, then okay. I'd, I wouldn't use Hootsuite anymore. So I'm like, okay. And also it's just kind of embarrassing that it doesn't do it. <laughs> like it really right. should do it. So, um, but that's been a whole. So it's just posting, it's just posting it to an automatic RSS feed. That's it. Just creating an, an RSS. Well, so what, so what output? you do is you basically take your WordPress blog, you get the RSS link to your WordPress blog. So that's, that's the RSS feed, yeah. your blog being the RSS feed. You plug that into Plugio and then you tell Plugio, check this blog, check, check this feed. And if any new stories appear, Tweet them. No, you say your WordPress RSS feed. That's for stories that you've written. Yeah, that's what that's what it's. So it's doing. just basically. So if you so if you post a story on your own blog, it's going to automatically tweet it. For exactly. You. That's it. exactly right. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. Well, yeah, that doesn't seem very hard. Well, <laughs> yeah, it doesn't seem very hard, but um, it's it's to, to tie it into to kind of 
retroactively fit it into a, into an existing system isn't the easiest thing in the world. Plus also the the state of PHP RSS readers are a bit of an issue. I just moved um, from one called Magpie RSS, which is the kind of the industry standard to a new one called SimplePy. And um, there's, they're, they're, they're really the only two good ones in the running. Um, and the Magpie RSS ones was, kind of stopped being developed in about 2002 <laughs> or something okay. like that. Right. So there's lots of kind of issues and character encoding issues and all that types of stuff, types of thing. So are you done with it? Or are you just are you in the process? I'm basically done with it. I've launched it and no users are using it yet. Just like, just I'm using it. The problem is, is it's very tricky to kind of debug and test. And also the fact that as it pulls in a new story, there's kind of settings. Should it send it into the rolling schedule? Should it tweet it live? Um, there, there's, it's kind of a little bit more complicated than it initially sounds like most things. Right. Right. Well, how, how, okay. So then we'll, how long to roll out then? It's rolled out. Oh, it is rolled out. It's rolled okay, out. I yeah. you just said you're, oh, I thought you were just holding it back for you only activated it for like your account or something. No, no, no. I've, I've rolled it out just, just to see what happens. And I've, I've mailed, um, the, the customers who requested it. So we'll see how it works for them. And then I will how, send how, a kind of global email. How many, uh, how, how many hours did it take you to build it? I'd say it's taken about two and a half days solid work. Two and a half days, like, uh, you, would you work all day, or is that just like, you know, two and a half days of... If I was working all day, I'd say like 16, maybe 20, 20 to 25 hours. Yeah, when I say not a big deal, I mean 20 hours. I mean, nothing gets built in like an hour and a half. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? I, I mean, you know, right, a couple of days of work, two or three days of work. That's, that's what I mean by not being too big a deal. Yeah, any other new development? I mean, so... It's been what like two weeks since we've talked about our projects because last weekend we had um, Amy and Amy Hoy and Patrick McKenzie on yeah and then and then, and we didn't do a uh, interview show this week so no update so yeah have you worked on anything else interesting uh well I'm myself and Sebastian um are not working on the secret project that we were going to work on and we've moved back to the um, brainstorming app. Okay. <laughs> so that we've done that. Um, You're putting, were you splitting time with that in, P- in Plugio? Yeah. And also obviously my, uh, my clients. Well, that's what I mean. I mean, you, so let's say half your time is client work. So four or five hours a day client work. And then the remaining time is sort of split between Plugio and yeah. And secret project. Yeah. So what else do I have going on? I've, well, what's, what's the update on the, um, on the revenue? Is it, is it still growing? Cause you made a bunch of changes with things like, uh, your 14-day versus 30-day trial periods and things like oh, that? Oh, yeah, yeah, the work, a, a couple of things. Well, the revenue's going nice. It still seems to be at about 20%, the growth of the revenue, which is good. Up per month. Uh, well, okay, it, last month it was 10%, but what? so far I'm 12 days into this month, and of those 12 days, it's 20%. <laughs> okay. So, But, but the, here's the weird thing. I can track it back for the last few months for the first 12 days. So if I compare the first 12 days of this month the first 12 days of last month, the first 12 days of the month before, it's a consistent 20% growth over those first well, 12 days. Well, that's really good number. Yeah. 20% is, a, is, 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 is great growth. So That's the first you, 12 you, days, though. It kind of changed. It, last month, it, it was all looking good up until like the day number 30. <laughs> just fell off a cliff, right? Yeah, and, the then, and then day 30, it just went... Bleh. Yeah, <laughs> went well, that's good. 10%. I mean, if you can sustain anything like that, um, that's, that's, that's great. You're going to be in good shape in a year from now. Yeah. But that's the, really cool. There was one issue. I, I had three complaints to PayPal. Um, three customers complained to PayPal about Plugio. Why? So when people sign up, because I've got, I've, I've got the journey quite 
uh, well, pretty good for people to sign up through PayPal. Okay. And th- that essentially, I've increased the conversion ratio to like 400% of n- the number of people who sign up to PayPal. And um, they're getting the 30-day free trial. And what's happening is that 30-day free trial is dinging them. And then they're like, hey, what's going on? And so they, they've, they've... They forgot that they gave their credit card information and signed up for it. Basically, yeah. So mm-hmm. um, talking to Ruben from BidSketch, he says that what he does is like a few days before that, he sends him an email and says, hey, don't forget you signed up. Um, we're about to charge you. I think that's, I think that's fair enough. Which is, I think that's yeah. probably a good idea. And so I've, I've implemented that now. So basically three days before the ding, it's now going to send that email. But I've, I've just got this horrible fear that that's going to bring conversion ratios down to nothing. I, it might reduce it a little bit, but you don't want to be charging people who ultimately don't want the product. <laughs> that's going to be bad because they're going to not only going to cancel the following month or two, but then they're going to complain to PayPal and yeah. who knows PayPal could decide that they don't want. Well, no, ex- exactly. And it was those, it was those three complaints that spurred me on. I was like, what, what the hell's going on? I, I have to stop this. Actually calling up PayPal and talking to them. They said that um, given that I've had, you know, thousands of transactions and only kind of three complaints over that whole time it doesn't make any difference so it's, it's, yeah. it's not an issue but still i just don't like it you know well i think it's something to pay attention to right people complaining to your payment gateway or payment provider you, yeah you gotta pay attention mm-hmm. well, that's good well okay well it sounds like it sounds like you're doing the right things with plugio i mean i like i like i like to hear the fact that you didn't give up on it and you kind of did some of the things you needed to do to make it grow as a business but then you're giving yourself you're, you're sort of um, giving yourself a little free reign to try to play with a new project. Yeah, but I've got to right? get the the one thing that's not right with Plugio is is SEO, and I know you don't that bores you, but I have to get that right. <laughs> like, look, when I say it bores me, it doesn't mean I think it's the wrong thing to do. It's just that I just don't know if I could get myself to do it any consistent way. It's not like I'm saying don't do it, or I think it's you know not going to be helpful. <laughs> I'm just saying I would probably. Do other things, but now that after talking with Patrick in the last show um, and thinking a little more about what he describes as SEO and what I've been reading lately, which is really writing content that people are going to read that's going to bring them to you. The, right? the, the, I mean, actually, can I just just interrupt you there? Talking to Ruben from BidSketch about what what he's done as SEO is very interesting and kind of different to. Well, and this is kind of the the Rob Walling approach is very different to what uh, Patrick is talking about. But well, certainly what Patrick's had the most success with, Patrick talks about kind of scaling with thousands of horizontal pages. Mm-hmm. Whereas um, what what Ruben's done is he's just got like four really targeted pages and basically just SEO'd them from the point of view of, um, you know, talking to other bloggers and showing them those pages and getting, you know, backlinks to those pages and he just okay. Cho- uh, explain this to me a l- uh, in a little more detail. Okay, so let's let's just talk about App Ignite, right? So let's let's think about App Ignite and and the way that App Ignite works. So that's going to be what what would you say um, the the kind of main keywords for App Ignite would be? Uh, <laughs> application, <laughs> web app. Okay, so 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 um, web app know. web app builder, right? So sure. so let's say what you do is you go into Google AdWords and um, you type in web app. Builder, the, the AdWords suggestion tool, and so the AdWords suggestion tool is going to tell you which which of which terms are similar and mm-hmm. are busy. You know, it's not the best tool. I mean, there's other tools out there that you can pay money for that will give you a really good, accurate um, 
prediction like that. That tool doesn't isn't exactly accurate, but at least it'll give you a basic indication. So let's say that you you discover through your research that the best the the busiest um, term is uh, web app maker. Right? Okay. So you you see that there's a lot of traffic going to web app maker. So what you do is you create like a side page, like a side landing page, and you give it the title of web app maker. Um, maybe it's uh, app ignite web app maker. And then okay. you put text on that page that says, check out app ignite, the web app maker and some other text about it. And then you basically find bloggers who are interested in it. And you ask bloggers to review it and you say, Hey, when you review it, will you link to me with the text web app maker? Yeah. So what interesting and link to that particular link page to that too. particular page. So what happens is the page has the right on page SEO and then the page has the right off page SEO and it will go through the ranks. And then basically if you keep on working on that um, for a couple of months and get more links into that page, you then end up on the front page of Google. And when there's, you know, 10,000 searches, you're right there. So that's free traffic from that point forward. Now the issue right. with SEO is, it takes a long time to build it. It takes a couple of months at least, and you don't see anything for at least two months. So you've got to work really hard. You put that work in, put that effort in, and it's just really a slow boil. But the thing is, the half-life of it is very long. So um, It's the gift that keeps on giving. It, yeah, exactly. So, so it, it will, it will, you can basically keep on building it over a year, and it will right. then keep that long tail with the same level of traffic for another year. See what I'm saying? Yeah, you know, and, and, and speaking of SEO, <clears throat> there was an interesting article that I read. It was kind of called like the short, it was sort of like the shortest advice on SEO you're going to read or, or something like that. And, it, and it basically the essence was um, the number one thing you want to do, the big secret SEO is write stuff people want to read. Right. That's the most important thing. If you do that, you're ahead of the game. I mean, you can do all these things with link exchanging and aging pages and all that kind of stuff. And this stuff, that stuff can help. But the most important thing is actually creating value, right? Actually writing stuff that isn't just filler, but is actually interesting or informative or both. And that was kind of more my thoughts of like how I would approach things. And, and, and you know, we kind of talk about like writing articles for Hacker News but just because you write something that hits Hacker News and you get a big traffic hit and you get 10 or 20 or 50,000 people come to your site within a day or two, and then it ends up having sort of a, you know, a second life on Twitter and stumble upon and um, Reddit sometimes. Mm -hmm. But that same stuff can work as is what you call SEO content, right? I mean, in SEO in the sense that if you're talking about something that might be related to your project... You know, if I wrote something that was about App Ignite and it was an interesting story, it wasn't just promotional, um, that would be the best, right? Because I could get the initial big hit on Hacker News or Reddit programming or one of those things. But then it also has that sort of long uh, half-life that you're referring to. Yeah, I think so. I think that's the best approach. Um, well, that's probably the... I'm not saying that's the best approach, but it, it's the best approach for you, I think. Mm -hmm. Anyway... Um, there's just, there's just obviously different approaches that you can take. There's the writing the content approach. There's the getting backlink approach. There's the basically putting out a content farm approach. And uh, those are the different things. And Yeah. Yeah. Like, like we've said so many different ways, uh, different times. Um, I'm sorry. Let me rephrase this. Like we've said numerous times that there's a number of different ways to do things. Yeah. 
um, whether it's no it's, truth. Yeah, it's like whether language you're, you're using or the editor you use or the source control system you use or how you do SEO or how you get. I mean, there's just there's so many different ways you can do it, and you can you can uh, build something quick and release it, or you can spend a little more time and refine it, and you can see lots of examples of failure and lots of examples of success with almost every. I think hedging um, is a good strategy, always. Like whatever you do, just just basically do a little bit of each, and then that will be the best. <laughs> well, it's it's sort of like um, <laughs> the uh, the you, something you always like to say: the truth lies in the middle. Yeah, I, I don't know if that really applies here, but you know, yeah, it's um, you, you don't want to get to uh, pull go too far in one direction unless you're seeing a lot of success. Yeah, you know, don't don't a priori to doing. A pro, uh, an approach just commit to it full force say this is how i'm going to do things if you if you haven't actually done them that way before and uh you also got to do things i think based on your personality type right just yeah. like we talked about in terms of how you like to program that's very personality based or can be very personality based and i think probably things like this like we're talking about seo and figuring out how to you know build traffic sources can be very personality based too like what are your strengths and weaknesses um so talk about personality based um uh, after after our last chat, um, last show with Amy Hoy, I spent some time on the phone with her, and uh, she berated the Plugio homepage design, <laughs> right? <laughs> which right. was which was a lot of fun. Um, but uh, that's made me think that I do need to I do need to change that a little bit and get the messaging a little bit better. I think that probably I can get the conversion ratio higher if I'm more specific. At the moment, it's a little bit kind of sham wow salesman yeah. <laughs> <Sham wow>. yeah. <laughs> yeah. it's a little bit kind of sham wow so i think that i need to get a little bit more real you know uh, that's interesting i you know i think i think a- a- amy uh probably has some good things to say you know i mean you know whether you take every piece of advice she gives you is not important but that you listen to her and and uh consider it you, know? you need to, you, yeah, you need, you need to kind of weigh up the pros and cons of, of everyone's advice. I mean, think about it. Cause also when we, when we have the shows, a lot, a lot of advice gets uh, submitted to the forum, you know, and sure. that's, that's good advice as well. It, but yeah. it's kind of impossible to follow every piece of advice. I mean, there's just not enough yeah. time in the day. You have to, ultimately you have to keep your own counsel. Right. Right. I mean, you have to, you, you know, more about what you're doing than anyone else does. And the reality is, is that even if the, there are smart people who sit down and think about your product for 15 minutes, they've been thinking about it for 15 minutes, mm-hmm. right? You've been thinking about it for months or years. So their brilliant advice might be something that's like kind of obvious to you that you've thought about 50 times already. Then again, if someone has a completely different perspective, maybe they say something that is useful. I mean, Amy's um, uh, advice on interface changes might be interesting because she might have a completely different perspective on how it should work. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, you know, I think, um, but you're right. In the end, you have to keep your own counsel. You have to weigh everything in. Ted, and, what do you and, think about just, what do you think about that? Me building that R- RSS auto thing when basically only three customers asked for it. Um, 25 hours on that. Well, it, I mean, it could have been, um, I mean, you could have uh, prematurely built something that not that may not have had the weight behind it. I mean, you may not have enough evidence for it. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, it, it's kind of thing like if someone asks for something, but it's something you thought always should have been there in, anyway, then that's fine. If right, I mean, it, it, I mean, 
you don't necessarily have to have a hundred people tell you that that something needs to be done for you to build it. If if it seems obvious to you that it should be part of the product anyway. Yeah, I, I think. I mean, I I'm not a big believer necessarily that you're just an empty, you know, um, was an empty vessel, and you're just waiting for everybody to tell you what to be done, what to do. Yeah. I, I mean, I you know there there's two there's two sort of two schools of thought. There's the data driven you know, model, which is like, I have no idea what to build and I'm just going to let all my users tell me what they want. Right. Well, that sounds like a bad idea. Well, and that, there's a lot of that, the whole lean startup movement. There's a lot of that thinking. Um, that's a part of a, a part of that uh, a model, which is that you build something really simple and small and you iterate it based on feedback, which means that you're not necessarily following your own vision. You're, you're more letting, the the statistics of your users drive the direction. I mean, and that can work. I mean, there's a lot of examples of why that's work. work. But there's also examples of people who just had a very strong vision, a strong aesthetic. They may have been building something to scratch their own itch, so they know a lot of what needs to be done. And they're not necessarily at you know responding to every every single complaint and request. They're saying they're they're going after something they they know. Okay, this, uh, that this, they know they want to build. This, kind of like Steve Jobs. Steve Jobs is a perfect example, right? I mean, th- this is definitely what, what some would think that I would say the truth lies in the middle because building uh, the current app with Sebastian, like we were thinking, okay, let's just release the most absolute basic version of it and then let, let the customers drive it. But then when I think back to how Plugio was developed, like a huge part of what's made Plugio successful is because I really, really thought about the problem and the interface and put together my kind of version of the interface and then iterated based on customers feedback on that because it gave customers a new way of thinking about it, which they wouldn't have thought about it before, you know, cause yeah, I mean, it, I think it was, I don't know, it was Henry Ford. This is, you know, if, if he'd asked customers what they wanted, they would set a faster horse, you know, <laughs> exactly. Right? And, uh, you know, it's, it's, I think it really depends on the founders. Some founders have a lot of vision. They, they have a, they have a good product sense. They really what know what needs to be solved and they know how to solve it. And then there are a lot of, founders out there who just don't. They just don't have that kind of vision. They, they, know, they know how to communicate with customers. They know how to get feedback. They know how to execute, but they don't have product vision. Mm. And, um, you know, and, um, there's gonna, and there's going to be everybody in between. So you just kind of have to go off, you know, maybe, and you may think you have great vision, but you may suck and you'll find out the hard way, right? I, um, yeah, but I, I, would, I would recommend, if you can, to, to, I mean, if you even have a little bit of vision, Try and build at least the beginnings of the way that you think it should be done, because that can only lead to good feedback. Someone can say, oh, my God, that's absolutely awful. It's the hardest thing I've ever used. And then that they can iterate from that platform. You know, if you, I, if you I, I don't think, do think, anything, then it's just like, hmm, what the hell? Yeah, well, I think I think you need to be far enough along so that your vis- vision of the product is evident. Yeah. Right. I mean, it is it is, it is fully formed um, in in the sense that what you envision is there. It may not be feature complete, but nobody's going to look at that and misunderstand what it is that you're trying to do. That would be like you, for example, launching Ignite without any wizards, for example, right? Yeah. If you were to launch it without wizards and, and then just let the customers guide the way that the whole thing was pulled together, it wouldn't work in my opinion. Like you, you need to think through those journeys to make it a little bit easier to start off with. And I, I agree. And, you know, I'm, I'm much more along the, um, the product, you know, visionary approach, right? I mean, I have an idea that I want to build, period. Regardless of whether other people want it built 
a certain way. I'm building it the way I think it needs to be built, the way I envision this thing should be. And because I'm going to be a user of it. Yeah. The way you want to use it. Right. So, um, and I'm kind of stubborn like that. Right. (laughs) And uh, I don't give in to peer pressure either. So even if people are like, well, you should do this. I'm like, well, I don't really care. You know, if that's what you think, because I, you know, I'm going to do it the way that I think is the best way to use it. Now I'll listen to people, um, and and hear what they have to say and decide and, and they may be right about something they may they may show me some ways of seeing the product that i hadn't considered but um i'm definitely much more uh thinking for for app ignite my approach is and this is because it's my personality type you so know, where, just, where are you at with app ignite what, what are you working on right now oh you know so here's the thing right i was dying i've been dying to try and send out some invites this week mm-hmm. or just a one or two invites just to, just so that i wouldn't have to say that I hadn't sent out any, hadn't sent out any invites to the <laughs> <Yeah>. show, <laughs> right? You talk about like, cause Tegzing for me is like this giant mastermind group. It's like, I'm held accountable. Like every week that it's not released, it's just painful. Mm-hmm. It's painful. I have to come on and talk about how it's not released yet. Right. I mean, I feel like it's like six months overdue. So that's really frustrating. So, all right. So I'll talk a little bit about, you know, all that. So, um, I gave a demo to one of our listeners who I've um, exchanged some emails with, and um, you said you know, he, he said it was all right to use his name, didn't he? No, I don't. I'm this, pretty sure he did, but anyway, it, don't worry. Just it let's, stick, so, just be, let's kind of veer on the safe side. No names. Yeah, yeah. So, well, it's not important anyway. So, you know, and he, um, and, and in showing it, there were some, um, there were a few bugs I ran into. Right, mm-hmm. I ran into right. like three or four bugs. Yeah. <laughs> Of course, right? It's of course it's going to happen. It's just it always does. It's like it, it's like it's impossible to give a demo without a, you know a bug occurring, even if you had just used it ten minutes before and done the exact same, gone through the exact same journey and it worked. It just seems to be the so policy of the of the universe. So I'm like, well, I got to fix those, right? <laughs> I got to fix these three or four bugs. And then the next thing I realized is I was like, well, you know, I want to get sort of um, an invitation system built so that I can send out an invitation because I don't want to have to pick your username and pick your password or and then email you your password. I, I, I mean, that's just not the way it should, should happen. So I'm like, okay, I need to have like a system where I can, you know, just say send invitation to an email address and it generates a random token and creates a sort of a table and then you can, you know, use that to register and pick your own username and password and all that. And it's, that's just how it should be done. Is that, that to yeah. be like a, a tester or just ger- generally for the app? Oh, well, that would be for the first, you know, three, six months of the app or whatever. I mean, invitate, you know, probably invitation only for a while mm-hmm. until it's stable enough. So I said, well, I mean, it's fine. I could literally, I could probably have phone conversations with the first 10 people, but I'm like, might as well just get this done. So I built that and which was a nice thing to do. And then I'm like, you know what? most apps that people are going to build are going to need like an invitation system in there. Mm-hmm. Right. And so like, well, I can, I haven't done that yet, but I'm like, and one thing is about building something like that is I can then create a generator for it so that, you know, you can go into your app and say, okay, is this a private invitation only? In which case it'll make it easy for you as the administrator to just invite people. Yeah. And then has a whole invitation system so that, and then you get all these checks of like, well, they, have they already, is the user account with that email just already been created, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Anyway, so I had to fix some bugs. I had to build that. And I've just been trying to just deal with a couple of small issues. Like it was funny. So like yesterday I was uploading, um, I was working with Guyon and, and we were uploading some of the latest changes to the, uh, to their main server. And 
and all of a sudden the uh, the logging in wasn't. We couldn't log in. Hmm. And I'm like, well, what the hell's going on? And what we discovered is that the version of PHP on my virtual private server was 5.1, and on the version of PHP on my on my desktop machine, my on OS 10 is 5.3. And apparently there was a bug in the SHA 256 uh, hash algorithm, and it wasn't working. <laughs> so it's like on which on your on your local or on the server? No, my on the server, right? So yeah. we had to change to using bcrypt. Yeah, um, which is fine, but it was just like. You know, and then and then we found out I think it was Bcrypt wasn't working because when you base sixty four in code these random bytes that were generated the uh, I think it was the forward slash or something doesn't work. So can't they the have server to... have five point three? Yeah, but I'm, but here's the thing, right? I mean, people are exporting applications, right? Oh yeah, and I can't necessarily expect you to have the late the absolute latest yeah. version of PHP. Now I'm not. I'm going to require people to have PHP 5, but um, I need to at least make it work with PHP 5. I'm not going to support PHP 4. So it was just one of those kind of uh, things, I don't think right? there's anything wrong. If people have PHP 5, right, I mean, what? I just can't imagine what kind of person would have a server with PHP 5 and wouldn't be able to have the late, you know, a pretty relevant version of PHP. No, no, because if, if, if you build an app and, you have, and you're using a virtual, uh, and you're, you just have like a shared hosting account, $10 a month account, you may not have, you, you, a lot of times they'll just have like in cPanel or something, do you want to use PHP 4 or PHP 5? Right, <laughs> it's okay. just one or the other. And their 5 may be 5.1 or something, you know? Yeah. So anyway, it was, we had to get to the bottom of that because, you know, we didn't know that was initially the issue. We were like kind of searching on the web, like, well, what the hell is going on? Like, why? And then it was like, I would generate a, I would generate a hash, you know, based on a new salt and it would work and it would work and then it would not work. Now, how long did it take to debug that? To get that an, from from the beginning when you discovered the problem hour, to work it out an hour probably an hour forty five minutes I mean Guyon was working on it and I was kind of helping work on it while I was working on other stuff what so it was what kind tools of a, did you use to debug that did you use actual debuggers or using print statements uh, just print statements yeah yeah I mean I'm kind of old school when it comes to PHP I mean you know I did .NET development you got the, the Visual Studio IDE and you could do you know really in depth debugging and when you're doing JavaScript you can use either Chrome's developer or Firebug and you can see you have stack traces and you know watch windows and all that kind of stuff. But with PHP I just do echo yeah. echo statements, right? Or I or just write to a, a log file and figure out what the hell is going on. So that was it was just this kind of issues, right? It's just like as soon as you think it's ready and then you run it through its paces again and then you find three more problems. You're like, damn it. Yeah. <laughs> You know, and it's like now nah, I'm going to have to go on this show and say I didn't send out any invites. So um, you you were talking as well. I mean, I can't remember whether we spoke about this on the show, but we did talk about it personally about um, email triggers. Did you did you get anywhere with that? How far? Yeah, did you get what I decided to do. So I got really far along with the email triggers, but I decided that I'm just going to put that on hold for a couple of weeks. Okay. Because I think there are some other things that are absolutely critical, and it's just going to take another week or so of work. Mm-hmm. And I just felt like uh, I can't let that hold everything up. And it just felt like that, you know, that one more thing. It's, it's fine if that one more thing is fixing a crucial bug that, you know, prevents people from logging in, for instance, or the database blowing up. But that, that one more thing is, oh, well, we have to have an entire email subsystem, emailing subsystem, where you can edit emails and triggers and filters. I mean, that's a, that's a big deal. Wasn't that a key requirement of your first potential customer, though? It is, but, you know, I, it's, at some point I just got to be like... You know, if it's not ready, it's not ready. Right. You know, I mean, it's like, yeah, it would be great. So basically, to, you, you want to give it to you want to give it to him. Say, look, you can build an app, but the one part that's not going to work is the email triggers. 
I'll, I'll uh, retrospectively push that through. Yeah, and, and try and, and try and you know just say, look, I mean, I will get that out there as soon as I can, and hopefully, you know, that'll just be a matter of weeks and not any longer than that. But could it fit under the hood, even with the code generation system? So let's say let's say they start building an app and then they start generating the code, move it onto a server. So then, if you put, put email triggers in, will they be able to just regenerate the code and remove it over, or how will it work? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, they could. So they could write their own little, you know, handler and just send an email. You know, just write five lines of code and ten lines of code and send an email or whatever. And then um, when I regenerate code, it doesn't. Ge- it, so it doesn't. Um, it doesn't overwrite custom code. So custom the, code kind of is done in such a way that it overrides objects, and it's like a whole different area in the file every, system. Every virtually every single. Everything in, in App Ignite is, is, is class-based or object-based, right? There's no library of functions. It's all, everything, even a library of functions would be, at, at the very least, would be, uh, our collection of functions would be sort of static functions on a class. But generally speaking, I try not to do that because then you can't override stuff very easily mm-hmm. when you use statics. So everything is a generated object, and, and it, it has a generated version, and then they have the concrete version. So if I have like a model class called task, task would inherit from task underscore generated. So when task underscore generated is changed because you added a property and changed a constraint and the you know, X, Y, or Z, um, none, of, none of the work that you may have added or, or, or done to ta- the task object would be affected. Okay. So, um, yeah. So that, that's right. So, but on the, on the bigger question of like trying to get something out because you have a big potential client, you know, it, and, and that's, it's stressful because you want that first client. But um, if, if you're not realistically there, then you're just not there. Mm-hmm. You're right? There's no point in just stressing yourself out and trying to get something to get some features. Because you're always going to have, and I think this is very common too in, in, with software companies, is that you're, you're dying for this sale for, to land some big client. And you start doing all these features, sort of you get them out of line, right? You get all these big features, like you weren't even planning them for three or six months out, but you do them now because you want to land that account. But that can really screw up your development cycle sometimes mm-hmm. when you do that. Now, you got to be careful, right? Because revenue is a lifeblood of a company. So you, sometimes you have to think very hard, you know, whether, whether or not to do that. But in this case, I said, right, I just, I need to get this first version out and then I can do it in a couple of weeks as opposed to, you know, and I may miss the window on it. We'll see. I mean, Ruben was our, was my contact on that. And uh, I'll have to talk to him and, you know, if I miss the window, I miss the window. But well, you're not. Yeah, you're certainly not in that phase where the revenue, you know, is gonna is gonna hit you or whatever because you you're not launched and there is no revenue. Um, yeah. And you yeah. you know you're consulting. I, I mean, I agree. I think you're taking the right approach. Basically, build the meat and potatoes first. Although this does sound like a bit of a meat meat and potatoes issue. I mean, I can't imagine very many <laughs> um, companies yeah. who would want that want a system that didn't have the whole emailing subsystem part done. So. Well, you know, it's so funny about Affignite is that um, when you start talking about it, you're, you know, your first reaction is like, oh, well, just get something simple out there. People won't mind. But then, you, then everything you talk about, like, well, you absolutely have to have that. Well, you, yeah. have the, you can't build without that. And you know, as it turns out, there's like 300 things that absolutely has well, to have. Because that's what happens when, when you build essentially an app, an app generation framework. But, I mean, the, yeah. the problem is so freaking big. And, you know, it's <laughs> you're, like, yeah. you're like building a toolkit for carpenters. I mean... You, yeah. you, it needs a hammer. It needs a saw. It needs a screwdriver. <laughs> that's just the. It needs. Yeah. <laughs> it's. It's. So. It, yeah. It needs a lot of stuff, and uh, that's what's sort of frustrating about it is that it's so big, and it's. It's not that I'm trying to drag my feet on it. It's just that there's just a lot to do. Um, 
anyway, so, you know, um, let me let's see. I want to talk about a couple of specific issues. So one of the things I think I need, needs to happen. So when I gave this demo, um, he, he was like, he still didn't quite understand what App Ignite would be able to build. Now, who, who right? was this? Who, who was? Oh, it doesn't matter who it was. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So he was still kind of like a hard time picturing like, well, could you do this or you could do that? So he was sort of like, in one sense, he was overestimating like as if he would automatically generate every kind of any kind of business logic. Yeah. Which is the one thing, very, very specific business logic. You might have to write, you might have to hand code that, but you have event handlers to do that. And usually that's like 1% of the code base. When you look at all the, every line of code, it's, it's all the other stuff. Um, so, you know, but at the same time, he was having a hard time picturing that it could build what it could actually build because he, he's not looking at it. So I think one of the very key things that I have to do right out of the gate to convince people that it's worth spending a few minutes trying to build something is build two or three apps and have them live and say, here are three things. They don't look anything alike. They're completely different kind of apps. They're all powerful in their own ways. And once you see that, that it's sort of existence proof, you're like, oh, okay, well, if you can build that, then you can clearly build what I want. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think it's really important to get to, to do that. Um, otherwise, you have people just sort of either have a hard time. They may have a hard time believing that it's going to end up looking the way it's going to look, because if it generates sort of this vanilla looking application and, and anytime people say, and, and here's another thing, truth uh, that I've noticed that people will say, oh, you know, I don't care what it looks like or this or that. But they do care. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they, they say totally they do. don't care, but they do care. But it's very difficult to see. It's very difficult to see past it. And and if it does look like a load of shit, you will generally think it's a load of shit. Yeah. And if it's just plain vanilla, you know, there's not a lot. There's not a fancy design. It's like everything's in tables and not, you know, have some cool look to it. That's what they see. And they finished. And and I fall that I fall into that trap myself. I know better. And if I see something that looks simple, you know, it's sort of I have a sort of emotional immediate reaction to it. If something looks really slick and polished, just because it has some really nice CSS. You know, I, I have a different impression of it. And so it's funny because people will tell you that it doesn't matter, but it certainly does matter. It certainly does color. So don't believe them. It's kind of like, I always say like, you know, it's like if some six, you know, some kid who was like 12 or 13 said, hey, I'm going to play you a one-on-one basketball and I'll, and I'll bet you $100 I could beat you, right? Mm-hmm. And it's like, do you really take him up on and beat him and take his money? I mean, you know the truth, right? Just because he says something, it's like, you know better. Like, don't believe it. Right? <laughs> don't believe that. It don't do that. So it says, oh, it doesn't matter what it looks like. I'll just, it, it does matter. It all matters. Your impression of it is, gonna, is going to be very much affected on what the UI looks like and what the, the one, generated app looks like. The one thing like. that I'm thinking about App Ignite and that I, I can't quite wrap my head around, and I guess I won't be able to till I see it, but wanted to just ask you. If, if I'm working with something like WordPress or Drupal, um, basically WordPress and Drupal get me 80% of the way there. And so I, I can get really, you know, I can get something up and running with a with basic CRUD and with a login and registration, you know, within a couple of weeks or whatever for my app or within a couple of days. A couple of weeks was a bad example. But then to get the last 20%, of, so I can get that 80% real easy, but to get the last 20% takes me a month, you know, and that's, mm-hmm. that's the kind of complaint of working with these systems like WordPress um, or Drupal because you have to know how to do it their way. Like what? Mm-hmm. What would make App Ignite different? Why would App Ignite you be able to get that last twenty percent of the way there so much faster? I think you know. Look, I'm not a. I'm not an expert on. You know, I've never used Drupal. I've 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 looked at it once, and I've looked at. Uh, I installed 
WordPress once. So I, I mean, take my comparison with those frameworks with a grain of salt, I guess. Yeah. Um, I think App Ignite will, for building a web application will get you much closer to your goal and without writing code. So you're just generating stuff by just clicking buttons. You say, okay, well, add, a, add an object. This is its name. These are the fields it has. This is the, you know, is it unique? Is it read-only? Here's the max length. You know, bang, 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 bang. And with like five minutes, you got all of this stuff generated. So you're much further along. Because a lot of times people say basic CRUD, but there's a big difference between basic CRUD and fully fleshed out, you know, validated relationships with like many-to-many and hierarchical and all these kinds of things that Appignite has built into it, right? Mm-hmm. It's not just a single table with a single form. It has a, you know... Okay, so you're, so that's the comparison between Appignite and, say, Ruby or Cake, right? So, so you're saying... I guess, because I, I see, I don't... Because obviously you have something in your head, and I don't necessarily know what... Well, you, because, because, for example... Uh, okay, so let's say, let's say you're building a site on, um, on WordPress, right? Okay. So with WordPress, it has you know, user registration built in. Like, it has all of the stuff, like sending out the email... You know, people click a link, confirm a link, all the password management, all that stuff's built in. But you still need to kind of build your other application and site on top of that, you know, mm-hmm. using their their different hooks and stuff. So it's so once again, it's still kind of customizing um customizing it to do exactly what you want. So you've you've got the users in the system. You don't have to build any of that stuff, but you do have to build your business logic. Uh, yeah, you know, I guess the only way to really demonstrate it is for me to go build, like, three relatively sophisticated applications yeah. that aren't toy apps that it would take you, even with something like Ruby on Rails or Django or Cake, it would still take you weeks, if not months, to build. Mm-hmm. And say, well, here are the three or four custom functions I wrote. It took me an hour or two to write those. Everything else was generated, and it took me X hours to write the CSS. And now you have something that would have taken you... I mean, what would be great would be if you could do the blog video. You know that the famous Ruby blog video, and uh, oh, I've heard of it. I've never seen it. Well, it's just it's just you know they they say you know how to make a blog in in twenty minutes or whatever, and they they take you step yeah. by step as they're coding it. So if you can do it with App Ignite, but actually make a proper blog, because the thing that they that they never do is they never make a proper blog. They just basically make something like Twitter <laughs> that just you know you can insert yeah. one post with just one one text area, you know. It doesn't have yeah, the yeah, other yeah. stuff. It's, I know exactly, and I, I actually downloaded ScreenFlow, which is a screencasting um, program oh, for yeah. the Mac. And um, is that free? It's like no, it's like hundred dollars, but it's like a thirty day trial. So I'm gonna use that, and I'm gonna so I'm gonna create something and create like a little video. And what I'll do is I'll probably make a first version, then I'll redo it because I'll end up redoing the UI. So I'll need to come up with a newer version that shows the the UI on it. But I recommend Camtasia for Mac. Why? Just because I think it's cheaper and it's just it's just real easy, works real well. Um, I've heard really good things about ScreenFlow. That's why I got everyone else okay. said that's the best one. But and Camtasia, I know, is on Windows as well, right? Yeah. Is that why you used it? Because you're used to it? I, yeah. I, well, it, they actually do it differently on the Mac. But I think the other thing is it's kind of cheaper because it's because they are known as Windows software, so their Mac version is cheap. And it's pretty good. I th- like cheap as in like, like $29 kind of thing? I just found a review online and actually ScreenFlow gets the thumbs up. And that pisses me off because I hate using the worst software. So you've got the best software. I've got the worst. And that <laughs> pisses me off. I have a 30 trial, so I don't have anything. <laughs> um, I'm going to give it an experiment and see, uh, give it a try and see, see how it works. So a couple apps that I think I'm thinking about building for demo apps. Mm-hmm. And, and, that, and, and not just as demo apps, but they're, but they're apps that I, I want to use and, will be, and that will be useful. Is One is an issue tracker. Oh, yeah, totally. 
And that was one I think idea. Gonna, yeah, and you you talked about that, right? And I think the one I'm going to base it off of is a, is there's there's something called Lighthouse, mm. which is a it's sort of a uh, think it's big in the Rails community. Yeah. And they charge for it, and it's really nice and clean, and it's it's simple, but it's not overly simple, right? It hits that it's kind of hits that right in the middle where it's sophisticated, but not like you know you train in a ticket and it's like you know thirty fields to fill out. Um, and uh, but it's it's sufficiently sophisticated enough that if you could build something like this that looked good like Lighthouse, I think that would impress people. They'd be like, okay, this is for real. How long would it take um, you to build that? You estimate? Oh well, the generation of it obviously is just click, you know. No problem. The, ma- the matter of the only things that would take any time is if there are any missing pieces from App Ignite that need to be generated. If there are missing generators, mm-hmm. right? So the one thing I'm noticing that you might want to do is that um, you have these sort of composite views, and, and particularly say a header or a footer. So sometimes, like you'll look um, on a sidebar, and it might have like a tag cloud. So let's say you're looking at Every ticket or issue can have a series of tags associated, many to many, with the tags. Mm-hmm. And you might want a tag cloud um, and the sidebar. So, that, so essentially, you're embedding a list view, a tag list view, in the uh, in a header. Uh, and I don't have a way of, of doing that. It wouldn't be hard to to do. It's just I need to do it right. Yeah. Like say, okay, well, this is a composite view, and 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 this is. You know how, and from a, in the, within App Ignite, this is how you add sort of uh, partials to a to any view, that kind of thing. But other than that, I think it's pretty close. I think what it might do, it, it maybe it won't be like the first version of my demo. It might not be 100%, you know, um, feature complete. You know, it doesn't have to be, right? I mean, you know, I'm not trying to clone it. I'm just trying to create something of that ilk, of that category. And maybe it'll be missing a couple things that you might like to have, but for a first version is something that I could generate. The only thing you had to do was create some CSS. I think that would be a great demonstration. So when do you think you would start building that app? I was going to start doing one yesterday, except I ran into a bug last night and I was like, damn it. Because <laughs> <laughs> I, I fixed one bug and it broke something else. So for instance, let's say you, you create a model called ticket and you said, oh, I want to change it to issue. Well, all the related um, views, the form, the list view, the instance view, that kind of stuff... Or you want them to be named like ticket list, ticket form, right? And then you change it to issue. It seems to be issue form and issue list, right? For some reason on the form, it wasn't changing the name of it. And then by, and I realized that there are forms that are based off of that, of a model, but which are specialized. So like the registration form is based off the user model, mm-hmm. but it's not the user form. It's not like your profile form. It's a specialized form. So it's always called the, user, the registration form, if you, even if you change user to, say, customer or client or something else. You see what I mean? So you've, you're kind of reworking that now. <sighs> yeah, I just, you know, whatever, just had to fix that bug. So, um, yeah, but that's one of the first things I want to do. I think, I think if I can build a few different demo apps, especially if they're slightly different types, they're not, they're not because a lot of times you, you wouldn't be drawn pressed if, if I demoed three apps and they were all, like, look the same. And they have the same kind of functionality. Be like, okay, Jason. Well, so what? So you created you created a project management generator, <laughs> <You know? laughs> right? Like whoop de doo, right? So how many people are going to need to build that? So another one would be something similar to Delicious. I was thinking that would be a nice, like, user based, uh, interesting, you know, simple app that would have tags and this and that. And but then also like a, a the ticket based system is an account based. So you would create an account and you would invite users into your account. It's kind of like Basecamp or something else. Right, that's a that's a different structure. 
Mm-hmm. So that kind of a thing. And I have a couple other ideas. So those are the first two I think I'll build just because I think they're different and they're, you know. Well, what about building? Uh, well, I tell you what, when can I get access to it? Because you know what I want to build? I want to build any foo for uh, any foo, right? That's another one. That's too, what I, I want to build. I mean, I, I would build okay. that as the first one. Okay, yeah, and here, this is a good thing to talk about this, okay? So I want to put together an alpha team, mm-hmm. and I'm thinking somewhere between, I'm probably around 10, but is, is 5 would be kind of light, 20 might be a little high, mm. but 10 or so people who really want to use App Ignite to build an app. They have something they need to use App Ignite for. Either they have an idea and they just don't either have the skills or the time to do it all by themselves, right? I mean, there are a lot of people who are good back end, but they just can't do, they don't know, they, they just, you know, what, for whatever reason, they just, they, App Ignite would be a much better solution for them. In fact, you know, one of my, one of the people that is going to be a, um, one of this alpha team testers is um, Pat Maddox, who I've mentioned is a friend of mine who's a, he's real big in the um, we, we Rails should, world. We should keep it real small, like just you, me, and Pat, no one else, right? And then we should release one app a week and submit it to Hacker News. You know the way you do the show HN? And then yeah, everyone's yeah. like, hey, how are these guys releasing one app a week? <laughs> right. Yeah. I've always thought about doing that. Like, yeah. And, and say, oh, and FYI, this is an App Ignite, you know, generated app. People are like, what the hell is this App Ignite thing? Yeah. So I'll give you the example, like, it's not just for people who, who can't code, for instance, right? So Pat is, is, I mean, the guy charges like $175, $200 an hour as a Rails coder, right? Mm-hmm. He's, he's, he's very in demand. He's, he's as good as you get in that field. And he wants to use App Ignite because he has a bunch of ideas. He's like, yeah, I want to use App Ignite because I don't want to spend a ton of time building these simple apps if I could just generate them. Exactly. Right. And he's been on my case, just like you. It's like, you're a very experienced, you know, PHP programmer. You have your own framework. You have a lot of code. You can cut and paste. Even building something that's relatively simple, it's still going to take a lot of time. Well, because the better programmer you are, the lazy you are. I mean, and that is honestly true. So yeah, and, I it, mean, it's because I'm a good programmer, I know that I don't want to do any work. And that's yeah, and the reason just, I want to use App Ignite. And it just takes time to do stuff. And it's error prone. Like I was just creating the invitation system. You know, I was like, it took me all day. It took me all day to get the invitation system working with like, generated tokens and this and that. And what if they have already been invited? And what if they have, you know, if the user's been deleted? You know, it's just like all these cases. It's like, it's annoying to have to write all that stupid code when it'd be nice to have it just generate it's just part of the system and you don't have to go and say okay i want invitation system and well there's got to be a plug-in to either rails or django or cake and so i gotta go find some plug-in and see if it works and see how i can integrate it and that's still a big pain in the butt so how long is it going to take me to write any foo well i think it should i think it, it, i'll have to understand what you're trying to do but it hopefully it should be you know when you say how long i mean you know you could do it in five minutes yeah well i mean right? i want to get i want to do that and get it out there and get it to Hacker News and get people registered and start getting into a scenario where, and, and get the, the whole money thing tied in as well. Yeah, see, that's another thing I want to build it. So that won't, that I don't have a generator for payment gateway stuff, right? Right. So uh, that's obviously going to be a key thing that people are going to want. I think I can push that off a few months because I think the first people who are building an app, the first people building apps in this aren't going to be charging money for it, at least for the first few months. Not, not me. They, I want to charge money out of the box. <laughs> but at the very least, people are going to want, say, a registration, an invitation system, right? Yeah. You, people building apps are going to be in some kind of private testing beta first. Nope. And they're going to want to have a way of, like, you know, sending invitations. So it's probably more useful that I got that working. Um, anyway. I, I um, guess what I, what, we, what I could do in the first place is, is the payment could just go directly through PayPal. So 
Yeah, I mean, you could obviously hand code it yourself, um, the, the payment stuff. You could just say, okay, well, when this happens. But um, obviously, it'd be really nice to just kind of build a generic payment gateway system and then have PayPal be the first one that I support. Well, no, I'll, just do, do, I'll just do like a anyone using any foo in the first place, payment is, is done based on a gentleman's agreement. You give each other your PayPal addresses and send each other the money. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I see. I see what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so anyway, the, in, in, in the, along um, the lines of the, the uh, whole uh, alpha team, so any of our listeners who have an app they want to build and are really interested in using App Ignite for that purpose, please send me an email. I know a number of uh, – I'm going to go through my email and, 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 and try and find the, our, our listeners who, um, who had emailed me. Why don't you um, – hey, look, look, rather than just say that because that has never worked out so far. Well, no, well, it has worked. Well, I, I mean, I don't, I don't think it has. Why don't you just say, look, what do you want to build? Find people who've got interesting apps and then choose a couple of them. Don't spread yourself too thin. Just focus on a couple of interesting apps. Like we've well, got yeah, the well, Anyfoo what, app. We've got the bug tracking app. And find a couple of other people who want to build specific apps rather than just try out App Ignite. Yeah, well, that's what I mean. What I don't want are looky-loos who just want to click around and be like, oh, okay. You know, that, that doesn't help me, Right. I think like Neville, I think, was one of our listeners. I think maybe um, Michael Rakita, maybe. I, I don't know. There's a handful of people, mainly Philomene, I mean, who had like an idea of an app in their mind that they were going to use App Ignite to, to, to build that app. Those are the people who I'd really like in the Alpha team if they're interested in trying it. And so if you're one of those people and you don't mind, you know, building on, on shaky ground, the stuff's going to be changing, um, then send me an email. Um, and uh, and uh, let me know, and we'll try and get, and I'll probably get the first ten or maybe twenty. We'll see. Hey, people. while we're while we're asking people for stuff, it would be awesome if you could do a blog post about the show or review the show in iTunes. Just help us grow it that little bit faster. Yeah, absolutely. We need we need the help. I we kind of stalled out there. It's like we were we were doubling every three months, and last I don't know six weeks, I haven't seen a whole lot of growth. Yeah, we seem to be hovering around a uh, thousand at this stage. About a thousand downloads in a month, in a week for a show, mm-hmm. give or take. It's been as low as maybe eight fifteen, as high as thirteen hundred, I think. Yeah. So yeah. So um, here's another interesting. I have a couple of blog post ideas, and I think I'll I'll beta test them here with you. Okay. Okay. So the first one is, you know, one thing is like when. It, talking about app ignite or showing it the the reaction is like it's oh it's this it's just this right it's just this plus this yeah and, and it, which is kind of really irritating right why is that it's irritating like, oh, but well if, if someone says it's just it, this it, oh you know if someone says like the first version of dig oh it's just slash dot or this is just this right it's it's it's, it's diminishing right you're basically just not you're basically you know saying it's not a big deal right and the reality is a lot of things are a big deal, even if they are an extension of an existing concept or technology. Well, but it's also because right? people are trying to wrap their head around it. It's 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 kind of like a, because the, the, you, you've got to remember the, pers- the perspective, like people have been looking at trying to understand what you're explaining to them. And they're kind of feeling frustrated with themselves that they don't understand it. And they're feeling confused and annoyed with themselves. <laughs> so then yeah. when they finally understand it, they're saying, oh, it's just this. They're, they're, yeah. it's because they, they've they've understood it that's what they're saying it's not because they're putting you right, down i understand i understand but from, from from somebody who's building something it's frustrating to get that it's right. that's kind of an insult right <laughs> if someone's if someone says oh like well what's form oh it's just like you know it's just like he just did like chess and you're like no no it's a completely different game it's like oh no it's just you know it's just like kind of chess type of thing right 
you'd be kind of irritated. You're like, no, sit down and look at it. It's not jazz. Right? It's completely different. Okay, thing. now you got to get a thicker skin about that because everyone's going to say that. And and I think that one one of the things is, I mean, have you had that with every product you've released? No, no, no. This is the first. Well, here here's the, here's the thing. I, I have a, here's the, here's my title for it, which I think is good. Go on, sorry. A spaceship is just an airplane that flies in space. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> you know, yeah, that's that's all it is, right? That's that's it. It's just the it's just an airplane that flies in space, sure. Okay, I, I, <laughs> I hear where you're coming from. You know, the other thing I noticed is you have to show your app to people who are really trying to who are your target market who are actually trying to use it, need to use it. So, for instance, if she if you showed say your grandma, you showed her Netflix, and she doesn't ever watch movies, she'd be like, okay, right. Like she didn't, she's not going to get it. Like I don't understand why anyone would use this. Well, it's I just yeah, I've, I've tried to show Plugio to to my in laws a couple of times, and it's just always been pretty painful. Yeah, it's just it's just silly. So here's my other. So I was thinking that would be the that would be the title. I was thinking about you know following up on Tell that. Me, say the title again. A spaceship is just an airplane that flies in space, and other ridiculous comparisons or something. Like yeah. That. Okay. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Uh, here's the other one. This is how Facebook will die. Well, I like the title. Yeah. Okay. So here's it. So I was uh, I was at the gym playing basketball. This was a couple nights ago, and afterwards I was uh, talking to one of the guys I was playing with, and he says, "I, I think he'd asked me and that you know, and I what I did, and I told him I wrote software." And he's like, "He's like, so do you use Facebook?" And I was like, "You know, actually, I don't. My wife does, but I'm too lazy. I don't." And he's he goes, "Yeah, I hate Facebook." And I'm like, "You know, he's like 22, so I'm like, I'm thinking he's right in the sweet spot of the Facebook, you know, demographic, right?" Mm-hmm. And I'm like, really? I'm like, well, why? And he's like, he's like, yeah, it's like, it's everywhere. It's like, you can't get away from it. You're like, you know, talking about get together with people like, oh, just Facebook. And he's like, dude, screw it. Screw Facebook. Why do I have to Facebook? You can't, you just, just, you know, call me. Let's just meet up. Right. And I, and then I asked him, I go, well, have you ever had a situation where you've written something on Facebook and it's just really backfired and, and it's created a real problem for you? Because there's a lot of times in life where you say things or you do things that were you wish you could take back, but it was kind of limited because there's like one or two people there, right? And it gets forgotten. Well, are we Six talking about later. Jason or everyone else? Because yeah, from, yes. from your point of view, that, that happens a lot, doesn't it? What do you mean? <laughs> On the show. Yeah. Well, I, you know, I say a lot of things, but they're all recorded for all posterity. All right, so okay. <laughs> anyway, but, but on Facebook, I would think that would happen a fair amount, mm-hmm. that things get blown out of proportion. The whole, the whole discussion we've had about how you don't want to get in arguments on email because text doesn't really express things as well as, as when you're speaking with someone in person and, you know, that kind of issue. And then, but at Facebook, you have everybody there watching. And he's like, so anyway, his response was like, well, no, not really. He's like, the reason is, is because he's like, my mom's on it. My family's on it. So you, you're already self-censored. You don't, you feel like you can't really say anything anyway. Yeah. And I was like, you know, that's kind of interesting. I go, so... I said, so it's kind of like having all your friends over in the living room with your mom and dad sitting there. He's like, yeah. <laughs> like, well, that's not very much fun, right? Mm-hmm. You know, because you can't really be honest and open and be yourself. You have to be very careful because your mom's there supervising your, you know, behavior. And I was like, you know what I think is I think that eventually what's going to happen is um, a lot of kids, and at first it's going to be like the cool kids are going to leave Facebook. They're going to like, screw Facebook. Because we can't be ourselves. It's like mom and dad. Like I don't because because when you're in your, when you're in high school and you're in college, you're trying to break away from your parents. You're trying to establish some sphere of independence. You're trying to you know get some get some breathing room, 
right? And that's why so many kids go away to college. They leave the city, leave the state. Um, they don't want to live at home because they want to change and they don't want mom and dad evaluating and second guessing them and, and giving them advice every day, right? So what's going to happen is a certain number of kids and probably going to be the cool kids are going to screw Facebook. And Facebook, and being on Facebook is going to be like listening to some like, you know, like Britney Spears or something. Where everybody listen, everyone well, else it's is like people like, think of MySpace now. Yeah, it's like, that's lame, dude, you know? You're on Facebook? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this guy where he's on Facebook. <laughs> yeah. You're writing any messages later, you know? Familiarity so breeds hap- contempt kind of thing. Yeah, and so what'll happen is, because once everybody's there, then it's no longer cool. It's fundamentally not cool once everybody's there. Coolness is frankly defined by exclusivity, right? So the cool kids will leave, and then the second tier of cool kids will leave, and then, and then the main pack will start to leave because they don't want to be without the, – if the cool kids aren't there, they, they don't want to be there, right? And then it'll just be like the older people, but the older people are there largely because their kids are there, and they, you know, they want to see what's going on their family. And so it'll just die, and it'll die by its own success. It got so big that everybody's in, and, and it was sort of like the people want freedom more than they want most things. People, you know, obviously people will sacrifice freedom for security. You see that all the time in countries. They give away rights because they want security or they want luxury or they want this or that. But ultimately people revolt against lack of freedom. And it's not like it's Facebook necessarily um, preventing people's freedom. It's all their friends and family looking right at them all the time. Yeah, but, but Facebook can't will just away from it. counter that. I mean, let's say, let's say you put that blog out there. It gets really big. Facebook will counter that with... Uh, with private streams. So they'll just, they'll just create a scenario where you have permission based streams and you can only add those friends to those specific streams. So your family won't be able to see what you're saying. Maybe, 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 but I think, you know, the other thing is, it's a couple of other issue with it is that, um, it's just the idea of being associated with something that everybody's associated with. Right. You're going to, people were going to pull away from it to say, I'm too cool for Facebook. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Yeah. And I think, and, and everything kind of goes in these waves of popularity, right? Like there's cool music or there's cool, you know, uh, you know, way people dress or whatever. And it goes through waves, things get really popular for a while. And then as soon as everybody's doing it, then it becomes really lame. And I think that Facebook will, will, will be a victim of its own success. It kind of follows along the, the, with the line that, you know, all empire, all empires fall and, and they mostly do it to themselves. Well, will, will Google Facebook fall? No, in that, I mean... Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. They all they all fall eventually, and they all fall. They all become victim of their own success. You know, big companies become bureaucratic and slow moving, and they don't change with the times quickly enough, or whatever. I mean, they they die for different reasons, but they usually do it to themselves. Facebook might do it just because they were so successful at getting everybody in there that then people leave because everybody else is in there, and then it has that drain because, like I just said about you know people following where the cool people go, right? And the other thing I've noticed that I think is that when people um, Part of like when people are growing up is that they shed past relationships. They kind of, and it allows them to change and, disco- and discover who they are as an adult, right? And people, you know, if it's, it's kind of like if, if you were constantly around everybody you were around when you were like 14 or 15 or 16, those people kind of prevent you from changing, right? They remember who you were when you were 14 or 15 and they want to keep you in that box, right? Like, but you've seen people who like you see pictures of them when they were 14, 15, they see them in college or, or their 20s and, they're, and like, they're completely different. Like they, all of a sudden they became some like, you know, uh, a musician and stuff. And then you're like, you know, if they were still around all their friends in high school, like, oh, you're not some musician. You think you're this rock star. You're, you know, you're an idiot. You're the same dude, you know, right? Yeah. But no, it's, it's they, completely true. And, and it's, it's kind of embarrassing when people get in contact because you're not on Facebook. You don't know. But 
where people do get in contact with you who who knew you when you were 14 and it's like oh no that's that's just weird yeah and you don't want you want to and it's a healthy thing though is you want to grow you like i want to leave that part behind i've i've evolved i've grown i've changed but facebook in a way is kind of like living in a small town that you can't escape <laughs> like people are trying are, are there the same people who are watching well, you when you're 14 and 20 and 25 are still there that's actually a, a great title for a blog post about it living in a small town that you can't escape the, fa- mm, the facebook yeah. problem or something like that yeah so i i, I think i'm gonna call it this is how facebook will die i mean that's good too but it sounds like there's two different blog posts there could be two great be. titles so i think i'm gonna um i think i'm gonna write that one I you think better one write it because pe- some people are listening to this show and they're gonna write it before you <laughs> that's what's happened <laughs> As it, no, you know, it has. They've, they've written about, like, we've had a few people write about the Lux Surface area and stuff, but those were more like follow-ups, and they, all, they always kind of attributed it to, to the show and to me or whatever, so it was no big deal. But yeah, I'm going to try and write this in the next couple of days, because I think it could, I could get some juice. Yeah, that definitely could. So I, I was just thinking, it was just interesting sitting here talking to this kid, you know, just picking his brain, like, well, how he thought about Facebook. So, um, and changing topics, when we change topics? Yeah, go for it. But that, I... By the way, just to, just to be clear, I think that is a really good idea. Very good blog post. And I'm sure that that would, that would uh, ring the bell. In fact, I think that could pin it. Think it could pin it? I think it could pin it. I think you could change Facebook with that, with that <laughs> blog post. <laughs> That'd be just the kind of thing that get people. That's a controversial title, right? Yeah. What? What are you saying? Yeah. <laughs> you know, and there's just enough people on Hacker News that want to see Facebook die that they're going to be like, yeah, how's, so let's see how this is going to die. They may or may not agree. Two but days later, they, Jason Roberts gets job offer from Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i i i would uh, i would be happy if it if it made it to you know a top 10 spot on the front page and if i would be ecstatic of course if it if it uh oh, hit number dude, one. That, no 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 that's good that's going number one definitely but uh we'll see that'll be fun depends um, how you execute it i guess if you if you write yeah, it like again. shit if you write it like the last one you sent me where i couldn't even get past the first paragraph <laughs> first sentence. oh yeah that was that the was one that funny... got 400 points oh yeah <laughs> i just you know what i just can't get past the second sentence <laughs> oh my god so anyway um i it was I, I think i'm gonna hold off on the iphone uh, right when we talked about that uh, you were gonna buy an iphone yeah yeah i think i'm gonna hold off and for some reason my little my little phone it, it started working again so i think i'm okay <laughs> for at least a couple of months it probably dried out maybe it got some water in the circuitry and then no, i think started. it did i think i got some moisture i think it dried out yeah. so i could check my voicemail like it would just like i would pick it up and it would start dialing random numbers it was like do, 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 do. i was like what the hell is going on it was like r2d2 you never use it anyway no i don't it's usually like you calling me like hey are we gonna do a podcast yeah. <laughs> why right. aren't you on skype <laughs> yeah where are you on skype like dude i've been a, a, I'm, i gotta i gotta get up out of my chair at some point or my mom i'm actually or, becoming know, a bit of a skype um what's the word uh i, I want to use a different word than nazi <laughs> because that's kind of offensive but anyway i don't have a different word so that's what i'm saying uh fanatic yeah i guess a skype fanatic and it's like it, it kind of pisses me off when people don't have skype and i can't have a good good skype conversation with them because huh. it's like, like it's just wh- a be- it's just a better way like the au- the audio quality is better right you can screen share like there's so many good reasons to communicate via skype than cell or landline i love skype you know it's the closest thing to like you know see the i remember the uh, tv show 24 yeah you know like well i'll just send it to your screen like like everything they could share information so easily it's all oh, it's on your screen that's like skype is yeah it is that skype is kind of like that i i think skype is pretty slick um it's like one of so those anyway, things was, that's kind of it's ubiquitous but no one makes a big deal about it but yeah it's absolutely huge you know 
It, yeah, it's not. It it's is. not on the front page of Hacker News. It's not. It's not it's the fanboy, but it's just massive. It's like just a completely integral part of um, of internet life. Yeah. Oh, so um, one thing I want to say about the iPhone. So the reason, I, and I'm going to get the iPhone <laughs> okay. because you said um, you just said you weren't going to get the iPhone. You are no, I, but I'm, when I do get it, I'm going to get the iPhone and not Android. The reason is is just because I've you know iTunes. I have all my podcasts and stuff on iTunes, and I just think it'll be sort of. You, you should get an iPad too. I may eventually, but here's what here's what I'm going to do though. I'm going to do it like I, I haven't decided what the benchmark is, but once I've reached some kind of milestone with Epic Night, the first sale or the first X, like it's gonna, it's gonna I'm gonna have to, I'm gonna set it up as a reward. Like, I'm not just going to get it for myself. Like, okay, once X happens, then I'm going to get the iPhone. Which is what I did with Prezo when I first released it. I said I wasn't going to shave until I released it. So it's like I didn't shave for like two and a half months. Yeah, I can imagine. So <laughs> I'm just it thinking like, I about this. I thought I was going to release it in like a week. And it was I'm like just thinking about, months. will you ever have an iPhone if you do that? <laughs> <laughs> it could, might never happen. Yeah. <laughs> It'd be like 2020 and I still have this crappy old Samsung Why don't you just make phone. it like... When you build your next model in Apignite. My next model? Yeah. What does that mean? I don't know. Some new piece of code. <laughs> Just making up words. <laughs> uh, so, um, uh, you, know, you know, on the whole, our fringe, our fringe science segment, I saw this cool on a do-it-yourself pulse laser gun. Did you see that? No, I didn't. It was awesome. This guy built like a pulse laser gun that could, it could blow through like a, like a little bit of like aluminum. Like it was like a, Maybe like a three millimeter, two millimeter thick piece of aluminum. Just it would just shoot it. it. Wasn't like it was a constant like beam. It would just pop it. Just what would it do to your skin? It probably hurt <laughs> a lot. It was pretty cool. But this guy did it himself, and and some people were speculating like, man, would we hook that up with like a backpack of like high powered batteries? Because it would just funnel all the energy into like one quick burst. And uh, the guy built one, and I guess he's gonna take him like I don't know seventy hours, and so he's. You know, people are putting in orders. I thought that was pretty slick. Huh. Do-it-yourself pulse laser gun. That's interesting. Like yeah. that, as, a, as a weapon, it sounds pretty scary. <laughs> it's like... So it's like, if some dude can build something like that in, you know, in 2010, so 2020, 2030, when, you know, batteries become even more and more powerful and smaller and smaller, at some point, you may actually have a Star Wars-like laser blaster. That's actually much more scary than a gun. I mean, like, people could walk out with those and... It, because there's no kind of big noise or big shock to shooting them you just kind of do it and it just can kill someone that's freaking awful but it's like i mean because the thing is like okay they say that it's harder to kill with a knife than it is with a gun because with a knife it's much more close and personal and that you're more involved with a gun you're more removed but this thing you're so freaking removed it's like you can't even hear a sound i mean it's just (laughs) it doesn't even feel like anything yeah, I mean, in one sense, I was like, man, it'd be cool to have one of those. But like, that just is a recipe for a home disaster, right? Your 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 kid picks it up and shoots his sister in the head, and you know, yeah, but completely bad. by you mistake, blind them or something. You're like, oh, I wouldn't want to have that around the house anymore. I don't want to have a gun around the house, you know. So, um, that, that, hold, hold on, that that reminds me of the like the Tesla car, right? So basically, because the Tesla is so completely silent, they have to pipe out the sound of a car. Because otherwise, it just kills people because they don't notice it coming. <laughs> yeah, well, I've written in, I've written in one a couple of times. So, you know, a buddy of mine has one. Vester in my first company. Yeah, and yeah, it's 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 really strange how quiet it is and how fast it is. It's just a, and the torque is unbelievable. Just explodes. It's like you get it's like head snap, snaps your head back to the seat. Huh. It's pretty cool. Yeah. So speaking of space, space age, 
Uh, Stargate Universe is back on. Oh, but it's just the last season. It's the last 10 episodes. Yeah. So it's sort of the fail- farewell Is that season one or tour. season two now? This is season two, I think. Season two. And I'm going to have to upgrade canceled, my subscription so. then. So um, it's that's good. Good. But you know, the thing I'm watching on, Ro- on my Roku box is uh, Battlestar Galactica. I know that's like so like 2006 or seven or whatever, but good stuff. Do you not like you the event? It? I watch it. I think it's pretty lame, but I watch it. Like Sandy's like, okay, we have a new event on. I'm just like, uh, I guess I better watch it. But the aliens are coming. It's going to be interesting when they get here, right? I guess they're just going to look like know. other people. They're not even really aliens. They're just humans. They're just humans, yeah. Like, we're different. Like, how exactly? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's amazing that you evolved to be exactly 100% identical, except you don't age. I mean, come on. Mm. I don't know. It's not that great. It's, 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 it's the kind of thing you watch when it's like, it's either that or it's like American Idol. You're like, all right, all right, all right, all right. <laughs> I can't do American Idol. So, Although I have to say, I kind of got into uh, watching uh, an episode or two. I, I, I could see how addictive it is for people, and I don't even really care for that kind of stuff. Well, I, I, it can, used to be better with Simon Cowell. I mean, but but for some reason, apparently, this season has the best ratings ever. You know, I th- I was wondering about that when Simon Cowell left. I was wondering if it was going to lose it, but I've realized I, after watching a few episodes with uh, Sandy, I was like, you know, I don't even think it. It's like it didn't miss a beat. It, you know, uh, the only the only thing is, is it's like these three are just much nicer and there's sometimes when people are just awful and they still say nice things and you're like oh my god if Simon was there he would tell the truth (laughs) he'd rip on part well you know what Randy's kind of taking that yeah I guess a little bit all right that's enough about American Idol I think people are going to be turning the show off they'll be like I'm on (laughs) so you say you like Battlestar Galactica I recommend it I think it's good I think it's really good that's just because of the hot chick more than that I recommend the Roku box or something, their Netflix streaming account, whatever, however you get it. Mm. Net Roku box is like Roku box is like seventy or eighty bucks, and we get Netflix streaming, and we also have Hulu Plus because we're Amazon Prime members, our, our member, our Amazon Prime membership, I think. So it's it's amazing. And then did you see you the last Fringe? Like and Fringe is good. I'm loving Fringe. Fringe is great. Fringe is Fringe is crawled up. It started out as a C plus, and I think it's a solid A minus now for me. <laughs> It has gotten better and better. The stories have gotten better. The characters have have evolved and developed, and, and it's, 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 it's good. And they had Hurley on the last episode, Hurley from Lost. I was like, awesome, I Hurley. thought that at the end, when, when, when Spock came back, I thought it was going to be Hurley. <laughs> but uh, no. That would have been great, actually. Yeah, and I should have been They should have done that. Yeah. Anyway, so Fringe is another one I'd recommend to people. It just kind of fight through the first five or six episodes of the first season. They're kind of, it's only okay. But... Um, so, oh, you know, I got another topic here. Go for it. Um, there was something, this is like for a week and a half ago, it was called Installing and Running Diaspora. And it's, it's on their GitHub, Diaspora's GitHub what, wiki. Tell me, what, what is Diaspora? It's, a, it's supposed to be like an open source uh, distributed version of Facebook. Right. So like everybody would, oh, I think like a federated approach where like you could have, everybody could have their own Diaspora server. Mm-hmm. Right, and people get into, and so that there's no centralized control, and I, you know, something along those lines, because, you know, and Diaspora was when it raised like a hundred thousand dollars or two hundred fifty thousand dollars. So is this where people are going to go from Facebook to have their own little community without their money? Well, okay, well, theoretically, right? It got a, it got a, a bunch of people um, actually donate, obviously, if they were going to raise that kind of money, and there was like three or four NYU students, so they're all like, you know, seniors or juniors at NYU, and they and they come up with this idea. And they post it on Kickstarter and they raise, I think it was 100000 It could be more. It could be like 250 or something. And, um, 
and they start working on it and they release the first version kind of like here's our early version of it and apparently like the security of it was so bad that patrick mckenzie actually wrote some stuff about it like uh kids <laughs> uh authentication does not equal authorization <laughs> Right, so just because you logged in doesn't mean you could see. You should, you know, you're you 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 you're validated to to look at everything in the system. So he just got in contact with them, and because I think they built it in Ruby and Rails, and you know, Patrick is a oh, Ruby and Rails guy. Oh, so basically, it's it's being built by people who aren't really that great at building stuff. They're just young, right? Oh, I mean, they're okay. just young. They're they the they, you know they've they're their early twenties. They've you know taken some classes and maybe worked in some summer projects, but you know they're just young. And um, they're probably bright, and they're probably they're probably getting better quickly. But anyway, so the the point of it is they they release this, and, and on their GitHub page, it's like twenty five steps to install Diaspora. It is hilarious. It's like two and a half hours of like server configuration crap, installs, and sudo install get this, install that, configure, and, and people are like, and then it was on Hacker News. People were like, yeah, man, I went for two hours and yet no dice. <laughs> I got, and I'm a pretty guy. I got some pretty good server foo, you know, <laughs> and no dice. And I'm like, that's exactly why Diaspora is never gonna work, right? That kind of just pain. It's not going to happen. <laughs> I just thought that was sort of hilarious. Yeah. Like, oh, 25 easy subs to get a diaspora running. People are like, screw that. Well, but, you know, when, Word, when WordPress started and a, a lot of these apps, I mean, they, they were similar, you know. I mean, in, I remember in the beginning days of using apps with PHP, the big issue used to be permissions. Like, people didn't understand how to write apps and work with permissions very well. And your app would mm-hmm. always fall over. But now, you know, as, as time went on, people realized, okay, look, let's just focus on one folder Let's just make sure that that one folder has the permissions and we'll write a little install script and we'll give people some information about it as they install it. But that's what I guess they're going to do with these guys. They'll just create an install script. Yeah, yeah. You know, and I, um, I was um, working on the install script for um, App Ignite apps. Ah, talking so you generate of install scripts, yeah. Yeah, and, you know, it's, it's um, the one thing that's annoying, but I, I, I looked at Drupal and Joomla and WordPress and... Essentially, there's no way to get around the fact that you're going to have to set the permissions on your settings file to writable, to run through the script. Yeah. Because, you know, which sucks, right? Because you, you, you wish people didn't have to do that, but they're going to have to either go into cPanel or if they're, a, if they're more expert. If they, if, if they have the chops, then it's not an issue, right? They just SSH in and, 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 and change, the, well, what uh, about, change the file to writable. Uh, but if you're not and you're like, Okay, so you got to go into cPanel, and then you got to go and you got to go to the file manager, and then you got to find this file, and you got to change the permissions. Well, another thing you could do is you could do two routes. You could do one route where they do that, or you could do another route where you basically just spit out a very small piece of um, PHP to screen, and you say, copy this into the file, and then upload it to your server. Copy this. So basically, if, if it's the, you know, the, the database or whatever, you know, the configuration variables, just spit it out to screen and tell them to copy paste it into the file and then upload it to the server. That's a good idea. That's a good idea, Justin. I like that. Yeah, that's easier. See, I don't like having people, I, I just like, the, I just don't, I don't like having people have to do that, have to like, when you start, as soon as you start talking about SSHing in, it's like you all of a sudden lost like two thirds of your audience. Yeah. You know, they're like, oh, what? <laughs> you know, and uh, that's, that's a good idea. I think that would work. It would work pretty well. Would because you just, need, you just need read permissions. To be honest, that's, that's a better idea because it's also, it, it ensures that the file's secure and the only way you can get it up there is by FTP and no one can 
kind of hacked. Because then you have to tell them now you have to go back and change the settings, the, the back. Exactly, set it back, exactly, right? which is the real pain. Yeah. So I have another question for you since you're, uh, since you're one for one on the good advice. Have you given any other good advice today? <laughs> Not today. I'm giving you a big gold star for that one. All right. That was good. I like that. <laughs> go on. See, I listen to advice. People are going to be like, like jewels dropping all over America, <laughs> all over the world. <laughs> Uh, all thousand of our listeners are going to be in shock that I took some advice. So um, the, the, I have a question for you on this. Let's see what you think. So how do you do enumerations in an enumerated type, say, in, uh, in, when you create your applications? Do you make enumerated types? Let's say that you're creating, let's talk our, our issue tracker app, right? And let's say you have anywhere from three to five predefined Sta- uh, status levels, Un- you know, not started uh, or reported, not started, accepted, not started, in progress, completed, accepted, or whatever. Five or six, never going to change, unless the administrator goes in himself and says, "Okay, we want to add one more," you know, thing. It's not something that would you make that a table, okay, that had five or six values, or would you make uh, the status just be like a tiny int uh, value, and then in the business logic of your forms and in your views or maybe just model itself would would associate that value and say this is it's you know create the the text equivalent well, and not start it what i always do is because i only ever work with one database uh, mysql um at the moment anyway and certainly for my projects i always actually use the mysql enum type so basically it just lets me create an enumerated type directly in mysql database and um, okay that's great because then it's 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 really kind of uh, efficient and optimized. Um, okay, so you so you use the the SQL sir I mean MySQL's built-in enumerated type. But I would not recommend that for AppIgnite because obviously ultimately further down the road you want to make it easier to abstract to all the different databases that you're going to be using, you know. You don't just want MySQL, right? People are going to want Postgres and et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, okay, okay. So on that, you know, I see your point, but so I have a, um, so when I generate a model, they'll inherit from, right now I only support MySQL, so I have a base class called MySQL Mapper, mm-hmm. okay? So your ticket model would inherit from MySQL Mapper, but obviously if, it, if I was using Mongo, I could have Mongo Mapper or PostgreSQL Mapper or whatever. Well, right? so if, if, you can, if, if you can just ensure that... Um each one, each mapper, it deals with it each in its own way, whatever is easiest yeah, but, and simplest way. But the issue is, is getting the enumeration in there, right? So, so because with, with uh, my, MySQL, right, you get the enumeration in there with a the create table statement or with the alter table statement, and that's how you get the different values. But you're mm-hmm. going to want a scenario where people can, via some kind of admin interface, change those mm-hmm. enumerated values. It's going to be bloody difficult for you to make that work across all of the multiple databases to have the admin stuff yeah. in there. Because I don't think so. Because, I mean, that's what I have to do anyway. I mean, when you go in and you change your table schema, you add fields or properties, or you change... I mean, yeah, I, I mean, I, I do alter statements and change, you know, whatever. Delete, add tables, whatever, right? Okay, just so, all that so that will work on all of the different databases, yeah? Sure. Yeah, just however you do it in each one. Yeah, well, then just, then just do... If that's easy for you, then just do... Um, do it n- natively. That's the best. That's going to be the most yeah, optimized yeah. way. That's what I'm trying to do. Is like each one does it as it's the most optimal way that it can based on what you're doing. So is that what you were so, already thinking, or so uh, you know? So I mean, I had I, the way I had to, I, I hadn't really built in an enumerated type, which is one of the key things I need to have. And the way you can do it is that the way I've been doing, which is 
too cumbersome, I think, and I want to get this done right away, is you can create a table of type, let's call it status, and then a stat as in ticket, let's say, has a references the status um, table. And so it's like a value, a property called status, which is essentially the equivalent of a enumerated type. I, I but you kind of think So that, you're joining against it and everything. I mean, just my, my gut feel uh, is that that is the way to go. Um, especially Having for, a table? Yeah, that, that's, that would be, just given what you're building, that would probably be the best way to go because people are always going to want to easily on the fly change those things. Plus also, it's, it's, it's not an insignificant task to make the enumerated type work uh, with MySQL so that it actually goes in and changes the schema properly. Really? It's, it's, it, there's, well, it's, it's problematic it's in not, some way? It's just, it's just, it depends how long you like working on stuff. If you, to be honest, <laughs> it's just like, it's just, deta- you know, it's, it's like a lot of extra little detail that you probably don't need to do if you went the table route. That's all. You just kind of have a sort of insignificant table, a trivial table with five, five values, say, or ten values. Ten rows, five rows, three rows. That's your enumerated type. Yeah, so, so, you, so basically you can, you can add an enumerated type. I mean, I can change the UI. So, I mean, I'm going to change the UI so that when you add a multiple choice or list property, I haven't decided which one I'm going to call it. So then it pops up a little thing and you can enter the values right there. Not started, incomplete, finished, whatever. Because, I mean, people are going to want other stuff related to the enumerated type as well. I mean... With with MySQL, you can't have any scenario where you can start tracking stuff about an enumerated type, for example, or or when it was created, right? It's just right. it's just a list. Whereas if you do it with the table, then you can add a bit more functionality to it. Yeah, you know. Yeah, it's interesting because I so I went the table route. I mean, I always thought that's the way it would I do it, but then I just started, I started wondering if uh, the enumerated type would be better. I was asking Pat about this at lunch the other day, and he says he tends to do it uh, the other way, which is. Um, you know, just using a, a small int or whatever, and um, and then just having in the business logic of his model map that to a text value. Yeah, and handle it that way. Yeah, that's 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 not a bad idea. Hmm. Um, so I don't but know, but it's it's, mean- it's it's still it is isn't the least amount of work going to be for you to do nothing, do not just let it work how it is, and then just change the UI and just create the UI. So it's so when you create a property. You don't have to reference another table. You just say this is a list or multiple choice, and it sort of implicitly creates this other model type or this other table that you don't have to worry about. That's that's the fastest for you to do. Sure, is the way it already works. I mean, I just got to create the the uh, UI mechanism so that's a little simpler. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I don't, to be honest, it's like six of one and half a dozen of the other. Yeah, I said those thing. If you ask on Stack Overflow, you'd have a lot of answers both ways. Just like the whole, how do you store your images? Because then, there's then, a lot of trade-offs. Yeah, yeah. I mean, in in the end, it really probably doesn't matter. I mean, I know that the only thing I do know what's the is biggest, that what's the biggest uh, issue? Is it the speed of the system? Is it the I ease wonder, of input? I mean, is it the? I've I've never built a relational database that had major scalability issues. Mm-hmm. When I the database stuff that I've done were were custom, you know, with like tick the trading data, trick data, and you can't even use a relational database for that, right? Yeah. I mean, you have millions of ticks trades per day per symbol <laughs> so you gotta and you gotta use like a compressed so i i rolled that my own my own way right so and then with my relational stuff is never you know like in pre-zone stuff it was never big enough to have to worry about scaling issues so mm-hmm. i'm like wondering 
Like if you're generating an application for somebody, someone and they happen to get lucky and get a viral app going and all of a sudden they got a huge number of records and you're like, well, they have some kind of enumerated type or something and it's joining these million records against this other table. Is that like an unnecessary join or is it because it's such a trivial table that it doesn't affect anything? I'll tell you what, I, th- I think I think because we're, we're kind of undecided, let's ask the listeners to uh, post up some information about that on the blog. Yeah, that'd be interesting. It'd be really to hear good to people hear think. what people think about that. Yeah, and um, well, I got to get going. Yeah, I, I got to take Chloe yeah. to his basketball game, his last basketball game of the year. So I got to get him off. Well, good luck to good luck to him. Well, thanks. <laughs> I'll tell him you tell him you said so. All right. Oh, and uh, by the way, thanks for all the uh, the good advice. <laughs> what was the good advice again? I can't remember. <laughs> it, oh, it, was it was about to, the exporting the table. Say, yeah, just just print it to screen and ask them to copy and paste it, and then and then FTP it up. In yeah. fact, you could, you know what you could even do? You could go one step further. You could just uh, send it back through the browser as a file attachment and then they'll, it'll pop up a little download box and they'll just, they can just download it to their desktop or wherever. And you can just send back the whole file. I like it. That, I like it, Justin. That will just generate their whole settings file, which they then upload. Sweet. So easy. Fantastic. That is great. That's great advice. I like it. All right. <laughs> All, right, start too, for you. Show. <laughs> All right. That's a wrap. We're out. <laughs>